0: Welcome to High Ticket Woman, the podcast for Christian women who are relationship challenged and they know that to make changes, it starts with them wanting more, expecting more, and becoming more. Here's your host, Debbie Cottle. Welcome back to High Ticket Woman. I'm Debbie Cottle, your host. Okay, it's time to get down to business Here we are in episode 10 and we've been talking so much about what a high ticket woman looks like and what kind of mindset she has, but now we really want to start doing some work. How do we actually move ourselves towards these qualities of being a high ticket woman, right? And I think that you know how to get down to business. I think you are almost certainly a talented, competent woman at work. You have to be, right? You wouldn't hold down a job or excel at a career if you weren't. And even if you are a stay-at-home wife or mom, the organizational skills and, and abilities that it takes to do that require competence, don't they? So let's approach your love life from the same perspective as you do your professional aspirations. Again, whether you are a full-time mom or wife, or you work outside of the home. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are the CEO of your own life, because by the way, you are, (laughs) and that you're sitting down with yourself in the boardroom and you're going to give yourself a thorough, honest evaluation. You're going to evaluate yourself based on four areas of your life that make up your overall well-being. Spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical well-being. So let's take a look at spiritual first. And by the way, you might want to go grab yourself a little notebook or a piece of paper and a pen, because you can be doing this while I'm talking. And of course, you can go back and listen to this a number of times too. But I actually want you to write out your evaluation. There's so much more power to putting these things on paper so that you can actually see them multiple times over, all right? You can get a visual image of, of what you really actually need to move yourself towards. So, spiritual first. How well, How well do the things you do and the things you say and the things you think on a daily basis match up? I'm talking about what you really want and really need. What's missing in your spiritual life? Are you making time to really connect with God? Are you making time to connect with fellow believers? Are you making time to listen to God by spending time in his word? And if not, if you're not doing one or more of those things, how's that impacting you? Or do you find God even relevant to you? Maybe you have questions for God, but you're not taking those questions to him. Do you have frustrations and hurts and sorrows, yet you keep them bottled up inside trying to handle them all by yourself? Are you surrounding yourself with supportive, encouraging people who have the same beliefs as you? Or are you hanging out with people that really water down your values and cause you to question or doubt your beliefs or even compromise with them. I want to go back for a second to why God is relevant to you and whether or not you feel he's relevant. And I'm going to give you six reasons why you need God in your life and and not just peripherally you know, believing in God, but having a deep, close relationship with him. Number one, you need to know how much, how, how much you're valued, <clears throat> okay? People in your life come and go, and nobody does a perfect job of making us truly feel valued because we are imperfect as human beings, right? So people let us down, people disappoint us, sometimes they even betray us but God never does any of those things. Our value actually comes through God because God is the one who created us. He he designed his whole purpose around creating human beings. He put us here for a reason and you need to know what that reason is. So your value comes through his purpose. The fact that His whole plan is centered around giving us salvation and grace and forgiveness of sins and the sacrifice of his own son so that we might live. I mean, that demonstrates right there how much value we have in God's eyes. And over and over and over when you read God's word, you see God's almost plea for us to turn to him and have a relationship with him. So knowing how much you're valued by him is, is one of the most important reasons why we need God. The second reason is, as I've already mentioned, to know that he has a plan for you, a specific plan for you. And third reason, you need to know how much he loves you. You need to feel his love. You need his mercy. You need his forgiveness. You need his compassion. And you need the peace of mind that really only comes truly from God. There's no other type of peace on this earth that really lasts. We can have moments of peace, but they're fleeting, aren't they? Another thing that we need from God, having a relationship with God, is his protection. We live in a troublesome time don't we it's it's a dark world and it seems to be getting darker and if we didn't have god if we didn't have our belief in god and our faith in god then where would our hope lie what kind of future would we have to look forward to what kind of protection would we have from the dangerous elements that exist in this world Another thing that we need from God is healing, right? We need healing for both our physical and our emotional aches. And there are a lot of them. We've all been wounded, again, both physically and emotionally. And only God can fully remove them from us. And finally, we need to know that no matter how short we fall from perfection, and we do, we need to know that. God's not giving up on us. God's always there. We can step away from God, but he never steps away from us. He loves us. So I want you to take a little bit of time, whether you pause this now or whether you come back to it later, I want you to just analyze where you're at spiritually. Okay, let's move on to your mental well-being. Mental well-being is so much more than just the differentiation between being mentally ill or mentally healthy. And in fact, you can have mental wellness even if you're struggling or have a mental illness because you can manage your mental illness or mental disorders. We won't get into all that, but everybody has something these days, okay? no, nobody isn't, is, is untouched by mental health struggles. So being mentally well isn't about the absence of those things, okay? This is in fact more about how you cope with the stressors of life and about realizing what your abilities are and using them in the best possible way. So being mentally well is more about facing the reality of, of whatever you're struggling with. Okay. It's about self-acceptance. This is who I am. This is my genetic makeup. These are the things that I've learned from my childhood and my parents and 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 I can improve these things and I'm responsible for pro- improving these things. It's also about feeling like you're a part of something greater. Okay. that that you exist as a part of a much bigger whole and that you have your independence, but there's also an interdependence with other people. We all need people in our lives. It's about knowing your unique character strengths. What gifts and abilities do you have that make you special? And don't tell me that you don't have any because you do, okay? Okay. It's about having an accurate perception of who we are and who others are, as well as a desire for continuing to grow and stretch yourself, pursuing interests, having interests and exploring new interests. It's about knowing what your values are and then remaining true to them. It's also about remaining optimistic, even during tough times times of struggle, keeping that hope and belief that things are going to get better. It's about finding happiness that comes from within, no matter what is going on around you. Okay. And, and the determination to improve your life and to take action instead of passively waiting for something to just get better or fix itself without you having to do anything to change it. That's what mental well-being is all about. So how are you doing with that? Do you recognize areas that you can improve on? Things that can keep your mind sharper than, than it is right now? Keep you alert? Keep your mind active, engaged. You know, I like to play, I like to play solitary games on my tablet. Partly because they're fun, but also because I recognize that it it activates a part of my brain that I might not be using otherwise. They they make me think. They make me have to strategize. They make me have to um, um I don't even know what word I want to use. Just they just they use critical thinking skills. All right. What about reading books? And I don't mean just nonfiction, you can read fiction too, but books that, that lead to good discussion with other people, formal or otherwise, or games that keep, your, keep you sharp and alert, keep you learning, discussion groups, classes, okay? Also, this includes who you hang out with. You know, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, iron sharpens iron, so I was having a conversation with a client recently about this, about how, you know, he loves this group of people he hangs out with who are a lot younger with him in his apartment building. But at the same time, he realizes that they're not challenging him in any way and that he needs to change that. Not to stop hanging out with them, but to hang out with them a whole lot less and to start hanging out with people who elevate his thinking and make him want to be a better version of himself. All right, let's go on to emotional well-being, right? This one is absolutely critical. I mean, they all are, but this one especially, okay, because you cannot have a healthy relationship with a man if you are not emotionally well. And I have to say, one of the elements of being a high-ticket woman is that she has a handle on her emotions, we're talking here about being able to identify what you really feel and why you feel it not being quick to blame others or be a victim of circumstances. And, and there are small, subtle ways that we all play a victim. Every time we blame somebody else or a circumstance for why we do what we do, whether we are blaming the traffic, the weather, past men in our lives, our mom and dads for how they raised us, the dog. <laughs> there can be all, any number of excuses that we use for, to justify what we do, right? And that's being a victim. A high-ticket woman takes responsibility for her choices and the mistakes that she makes, and then she does something about it. So emotional well-being is about being able to express your emotions in a safe way for you, and of course, say, for other people. It's also about knowing yourself well enough and knowing the kinds of things and situations and people that trigger you emotionally. And again, rather than blaming them for that, learning how to deal with your own thinking, your own crazy, messed up, distorted thinking that then leads to those really over-the-top emotions. We as women have to know how to calm ourselves down. That's what I'm really talking about here. Before it's too late, before things come out of your mouth that you regret, before damage has happened or more damage has happened to a relationship. Being emotionally healthy is also about letting other people feel their feelings, whatever they might be, and creating a safe place for others so that your man can say to you, I'm frustrated or I'm hurt or I'm disappointed. And that you don't immediately get defensive about that, to not feel attacked, but to recognize that it's okay for someone else to feel differently than you. And that there's a way to validate what someone else is feeling without having to agree with everything they're saying. And I'm going to show you how to do that in future episodes. Right now, I just want you to ask yourself, how well do I do those things? Finally, let's move on to physical well-being. Most of the time, when we think of physical well being, we think of diet, health, nutrition, exercise, weight loss, et cetera. And yes, those are big components of physical well being. But physical well being also has to do with the way we live our life and the environment we live our life in. We could be talking literally, okay, the home we live in, the community we live in. You know, if your home, doesn't feel safe emotionally or even physically um and, and we might be talking about it's so cluttered and messy that you know you're tripping over things you know you've got hoarder tendencies or you know it's just it's just super cluttered or even dirty right then then that affects your physical well-being if you don't like the community that you live in you don't like the city that you live in you don't like the state that you live in you all of that will impact your physical well-being, but it will also spill over and affect the other areas of well-being, too, won't they? We can also talk about um, in physical well-being, we can talk about our physical resources. This includes your finances. You know, How wisely do you spend and save and invest your money? Is there a healthy balance between those things? Because if you've got money problems, It's going to affect how you live your life, isn't it? It's going to affect your physical well-being. And again, these areas of well-being are all integrated, so it's going to affect the other areas as well. If you use money to offset an emotional state, in other words, if you buy to make yourself feel better, okay, or maybe the opposite of that opposite of that opposite of that maybe you don't spend enough i was just working with a woman the other day who didn't even feel comfortable enough to take $20 out of her budget every month to go visit an art museum because she was an art major in college and misses looking at good art and we had to have a conversation about the whole point of her working, she's single, the whole point of her working and, and having a paycheck isn't just to squirrel that money away and have no enjoyment in her life. So maybe we're so tight with money that we squeak when we walk as this woman is. And then that has a negative impact on us and our relationships as well. So I want, I, I don't want you to ignore diet, health, nutrition, exercise, elements of physical well-being. Because of course, the reality is that we feel so much better about ourselves as women when we like what we see on the outside, All right? That's just the way we're wired, okay? So we can make excuses for that, for what we aren't doing, but we know what we need to do. And we know what we need to change in that way. But remember that physical well-being is more than that. It's about making sure that you get good sleep. It's about regular routine checkups with the doctor. It's it's about your relationships with people. It's about getting up early enough. It's about having a good work environment and, and moving your body in healthy ways, not just exercise. It's about making sure that you You know, for me, I have to have a good, good chair that I sit in at work because I got back issues. So I take care of myself physically by making sure that, you know, my table is at the right height. My chair is comfortable for me. All of those things make up your physical well-being. All right. So I want you to stop and analyze all four of these areas, All right? It's time, if you're going to be a high ticket woman, for you to approach these four areas The same same way you would approach someone at work if you had to evaluate them. So to be a CEO of your own life, okay, you are the one that has to give yourself this evaluation. Just like if you're a manager or a boss at work or the mother of children, you have to do this. You have to give them feedback on their performance and you have to be willing to receive that feedback from your own boss. It's not always fun or pleasant, but it is the only way to grow. So if there's a gap between who you are right now and the high ticket woman you want to become and why you want to become that woman, okay, because ultimately you want a high ticket man, right? And a high ticket man isn't going to settle, nor should you. If there's a gap and there's always a gap, it can be a small one or it can be a really gigantic one or you could be somewhere in the middle, but if there's a gap, you're the only one who can assess it and then move forward. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining me today. Bye for now. For more episodes, just go to debbiecoddle.com. And while you're there, get your free copy of my guide, 10-Step Relationship Rescue Roadmap.